Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Event Hustler Show. I am very excited to join you all today yet again uh, for another episode where we get to interview some really interesting people in the events industry. And over the course of the last, I think, 15 or so episodes, we've talked to a wide range of people in the industry. And today I get to talk to one of my favorite people in the industry who has had a really interesting career. We've talked about a lot of different things in the past, and so I'm excited to talk about some new interesting things that she has going on, and also to talk about our industry and some things I think we all should be talking about that can move our industry forward. Sometimes these conversations are a little more um, business focused. Sometimes they're more industry focused. I think we're going to get a good mix of both today. Um, and I would like to say hi to anyone who is watching us on LinkedIn today, because this is the first time ever that we get to broadcast to both platforms at the same time. So hopefully it works. On both platforms, this is totally an interactive show. So if you're watching live, we encourage you to ask questions, share comments. We can bring them on screen. We'll try to keep all the comments in our conversation. Um, so please join us. But without any further ado, I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Leslie Short with the Kavu Group. Um, Leslie, thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy day to chat with me today. No, thank you, Liz. This topic is so important. And um, I think you're the perfect person to have it with. I hope so. <laughs> so. I feel like this is today we're going to talk about diversity in the events industry. And this is a topic that Leslie actually came to me and said, I think this is something we should be talking about. And I completely agree. Um, I think we've had this. We, we shared a conversation about how this is not talked about much in the industry. It's not necessarily something that everyone agrees is an issue. And then there are people who feel like this is a major issue we should be talking right. about. So I feel like there's a pretty, um, there's almost like a weight to having this conversation because I think on my side, I think it's mm -hmm. so important to have. Right. And so I hope I can facilitate a good conversation. Oh, about sure, it. sure. It's, it's, uh, helpful to our industry. Right. So, but for people who don't know you, yes, can you give us like a rundown of your career? What's brought you to the Kavu Group now, and and just kind of that background so people know Absolutely. where you're coming from? Absolutely. So I'll make it as short as possible. I'll condense it. Um, I started my career um, as a classical ballet dancer. I was chosen at the age of seven to be trained as a classical ballet dancer. Um, and when I went to the audition. The woman that took me said to my parents, don't be surprised if she doesn't get chosen. They don't usually choose little black girls to train. Now that meant nothing to me at seven. When I think back now, I'm like, wow, what was that to say to a seven-year-old? Yeah. But you know, long story short, I was chosen out of 300 girls. They chose 30, then they chose three. And I was one of the three to be trained and turn professional at the age of 12, have traveled the world twice. Um, I have danced for princes and prince and kings and I've really had an amazing career as a dancer. And then at 10 and a half years in Europe, I lived and not visit, I lived in Europe for 10 and a half years. And then I went to Asia for three and a half years, still as a dancer. And then I opened up a theater there. Now, if you know anything about the Asian culture, it's not geared towards women. It's definitely not geared towards foreigners. It's definitely not geared toward a black woman dancer with a mouth that <laughs> would not just you know go the toe all the time and would question, but I opened a business there and it was ranked the best business of 1994. And I came back to the States um, after those three and a half years 
wanted to work in communications, did uh, produce television for a while, start producing um, at Macy's special events, uh, celebrity appearances, went there, went into fashion for 10 years, was president of marketing, advertising, and PR for FUBU clothing line, where everyone told me I was making the biggest mistake of my life because they were black. And they're saying this to me and I was like, okay, I don't know a hip from a hop, that is guaranteed. Um, if you want to talk cheese and muscles and wine, that's my, you know, that's been my life. But there was something I believed in them. And it was a industry that clearly at this point, we all know was not a fad that exploded. And through all of that, and through also going to seminary and studying, becoming a chaplain and minister, and just all of my life work has led me to the Carver Group. And a lot of that is because the the buzzwords that were being thrown around the last few years, diversity, inclusion, culture, but no one was seeing what they mean. And so I like to say when I speak about diversity, I wanna make this clear for everyone that's listening. Diversity is bigger than gender and race. It's also LGBTQ, it is also disabilities. And having owned, I opened KIM Media, um, which has been open for 20 years, which is a special events and branding and consulting company. And I opened that with European clients, really my French clients, my Asian clients, and I did cultural events. And the reason I was able to do this because for some reason they came to me and said, you understand our culture. So you understand how we need to work here in America, but you're not gonna lose our culture. So that's, that was a lot all in a nutshell. <laughs> but, so you're an underachiever basically. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> how many companies have you had? My own, I have KIM Media, I have a Sin Bereavement Management, and I have the Kavo Group. And so though, and then, oh, sorry, and then in Japan, I had J-Men's Tokyo, forgot about that one. Um, that was probably the, one of the biggest ones. And then I have run many other celebrity companies and built other companies for other people as a corporate operations strategist. Yes, I've learned so much from you, and I officially met you as as part of the events industry, yes. um, KIM Media. And then it's one of those things you get to know someone and, and the more you learn about them, you're like, oh, and you did that? Like what, <laughs> you were a, a ballet dancer? <laughs> and uh, you just have such a great career and really interesting industry experience too, because obviously yeah. you were in the events industry for many years mm -hmm. and you still are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is getting you to talk about diversity? I know you talked a little bit about it, but why are we having like a whole conversation about it? I mean, one, it's my focus with my new firm. Two, I was, and so I'm older than some, um, <laughs> I will say that oh when, <laughs> when, I was always the only one in the room. So that was never a surprise to me. Even when I came back to America, having been the only one in countries, I was the only one in rooms. I was the only one showing up to events. I was, people thought I did not have money. And I was told, oh, we didn't think you had $30,000 to spend on flowers. We didn't think you could actually book this. We didn't think that was your client. I brushed it off and I kept on moving because there wasn't many people of, of color and or black folks that were doing events at that time. Now, clearly there was Preston Bailey like we all love, and you know, there's a few that we, we know of, but past that, you really did not see many. And I moved through the industry and I had a great career and won awards. But in the last two months, I've had several young, um, and young meaning 30, 40, <laughs> um, event planners, meeting planners stop me 
at a couple events and said, how have you been able to maneuver? We feel that we're just not being invited. We're not included. We're not being written about. We don't ask to come to become alone. We don't ask to join forces. What is happening? And I said, well, this is not new, unfortunately, but it's never been discussed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time to one, the events industry, as we, I think we all can believe, is a true career. <laughs> it's a true industry. Years ago, it wasn't really looked that way. Um, you know, for some, it was like, oh, you're planning a party. That's cute. Um, 18 hours later, yeah, it's not a party. Right. And so I, at one point, I'm not sure if it was a cultural um, aspect of that's not a career. So that's one side of it. But then I, when you look at the industry as a whole, and I'm speaking not only the planners, weddings, you definitely have um, a bit more brown and black folks that are doing weddings. But when you look at the event, designing and producing events, they're few and far between. And so part of the question is, why is that? Are they not getting the jobs? Do they not know where the jobs are? Are they not accepted once they're on set? You know, I've done budgets of $300,000 and they would still go to my logistics person who may happen to be white at the time and go speak to them and not come speak to me because they didn't want to do what I asked them to do. Where my staff has always been multicultural, yours has always been multicultural. And and again, I mean, all, all, can you do the job, (laughs) you know, and I've been able to run my company that way. But when you look at a lot of other companies, that's not the case. So the question that I have for the industry also is, why is that? What, where is the lack of diversity of reaching out to others to say, here's your strength? I don't want to be called. And I know the other planners that came to me don't want to be called when it's an urban event, whatever the heck that means. I'm still waiting for that definition. We don't want to be called when we're like, oh, my God, we think it's going to be about music. Should we get someone brown or black to, to, to help us with this, to speak the language? Well, if you had someone within your company in the beginning, right. um, <laughs> you would already have an idea of what you would need to speak the language. And it would also be much more authentic. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lack of I don't know if is it transparency. I don't know if it's because all of us that's moving, we move very fast in the industry. And you're not looking for others, but there's a lot of great talent that I think we're all missing. And that's across the board. It's it's not just race, which we've used as an example already. Um, I'm one of those complex cases because I'm half Irish and half Korean, but I don't look Korean like at all. So most people don't even know that. Right. And it's one of those. I've heard lots of comments that I realize you wouldn't be saying if you knew my actual background. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, so race is definitely an issue. Uh, gender is another huge one in our industry. Yes. Women. I mean, you see them everywhere. But I feel like every time I see a big agency or media company within our industry, tech company, it's like men. I'm like, where are all the women at the top? They're running. Exactly. You just hit it. The women are running the industry, but they're not owning. They don't have ownership in the agency. Yeah. And then the owners that have smaller firms are not getting, again, I don't know where the lack of opportunity is coming. And you can't have 400 little firms trying to do the same thing. So I'm a big believer in that. Um, Even with the cover group, when we're speaking about small, medium size, we need to start pairing up 
and building together. And so, but there's just a lack of, look who's on the lighting crews. And I work with great people. I love my vendors. I have been so unbelievably blessed working with great vendors that I feel that are family. But who's on the crews? Very few women, very few people of color, unless they're dropping off. If they're in the trucks and delivering, you may see them. But when I sit down and I'm designing the lighting plan because I do that for my events and I'm in the back with the chefs, we're just lacking um, the entry into it or the entry to, to move. Mm -hmm. Why do you think this is? I mean, I, I think whenever you talk about diversity and inclusion and again, whether it's race, gender, uh, all kinds of issues, there's a lot of issues within this umbrella. Everyone likes to point the finger and blame someone else. I could say no one's giving me the opportunities. You know, yeah. no one's featuring me on these big publications. And that's because they don't even see me. They don't notice. You know, on the other side, people can say all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I am one of those believers that we all contribute to this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes we have like I have my own things that hold me back from putting myself out there. I have my own things that you know, come up in conversations. And so I don't think there's an answer that it's this one group and they need to no. get their act together. But how can we each work together to make a difference in our industry and kind of push each of us beyond our boundaries? I think part of it is awareness. We've never had this conversation. I've been in this industry over 20 something years. You know, what would it be said to me? Oh, Leslie, not you. I was always put somewhere different. I don't, I don't know why that is. But that's also to make others feel better sometimes, I think. I think we need to be aware that there's more than five or six agencies out here. Mm -hmm. That there are people doing really good work and really solid work. And I think they also have to step to the table and not be concerned about being in the room, but really be present in the room. And they have to go up and introduce themselves and then the others have to be open to take the introduction. See, because sometimes even when I'm in a room, I'm looked at like, why is she there? Until someone goes, oh, that's Leslie Short from KIM Media or from the cover group. And they go, oh, I've heard about her. And then all of a sudden they're my new best friend. Yeah. Well, for a younger person that may not have that, that's doing work, they just want to say hello. I think we just need to be open to the fact that the conversation is now being had and eyeballs are now being um, open to, to see what's happening and to discuss the lack thereof. And we need both sides to go, how do we bridge the gap? And that's what this conversation is about. It's not to point a finger at, at one side or the other, because I do believe there's two sides to everything. Yeah. But we need to open up and not also be concerned about who has the money to advertise in order to get a write-up. Maybe there is a feature. Who's the next one that's coming up? Who is doing what? And again, it doesn't need to be, oh, well, let's feature the African-Americans in Black History Month and the Hispanics on, you know, Hispanic Month and the Asians on Asian Month. Can we just not celebrate our work? <laughs> that's not the best way to do it. <laughs> not the best way to do it. Every day is African-American History Month. Every day is Korean Irish Month to you. Every day is Hispanic Month to Hispanic. We're all in this together. But we really need to figure out a way that the doors and windows are open on both sides. Mm -hmm. 
And that's in every aspect of the fields. Like I said, it's, it's from audio to lighting, to sound, to designers and producers. If four years ago I can walk into a hotel and they tell me I'm the second black designer and producer that's ever walked in the hotel other than Preston Bailey, we're in New York City. That's crazy to me. To have the older staff in that hotel come up to me and say, thank you. I'm like, for what? Like I was confused. And they're like, there's been no other black designers here. Wow. That's a problem. That's, that's when I go, but now we have a problem. Yeah, definitely. What about um, professionalism? You know, um, I think being able to position ourselves as people who are worthy, quote unquote, of being included in the corporate events industry. I think a big piece of that is the professionalism. And I think you you talked about something very important, which is working together because, you know, the independent market in particular, the event hustler market that I like to talk about and talk <laughs> to you all the time. Yes. It's a lot of very small companies. And I think a lot of times we feel like we don't have a voice. And I have been, the reason I launched Event Hustlers in the first place was because I attended an industry event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been blessed to have a company name that some people recognize, you know, it's one of those things, but you go to these events and people look at your name badge and think like, oh, it doesn't say Google, no interest. You know, like as if you have no buying power, no value. And that, and like I said, I don't even think that's based on gender or race. That's a problem. That's an industry (laughs) problem. problem. Not not only this industry problem, honestly, and because I do so many different things in so many different fields. um, Yes, they're very confused. I don't wear my name tag. When I'm out. So they're, they're really confused. This is a black girl in the yeah. room. And she don't have a name tag on, but it seems like a lot of people know her. And so it almost become like, well, then I guess I should know her. Right. But that's, but then they're missing because how they approach then, are you probing or are you saying hello? Right. And that's, that is the difference. So yes, I think some of the smaller need to, um, Look for people that are like-minded. And it's horrible to have to say this in this day because I started out small. You started out small and made it happen. But where we are today, I think we're stronger together. And that is even a, a cultural. Maybe there's folks that don't look alike but have a same mindset. Join. Join forces and you can still keep your own companies, but there's certain things you go in and you pitch together and you yeah. work on together. And our voices start to build stronger together. You know, part of the reason some of the ladies didn't jump on to be on camera, which I understood, is because they're still building their companies. People are also concerned about being blackballed. How are you blackballing somebody from the event world? We are not saving cancer here, people. I mean, we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. And really just open our doors to talent and who is professional, who are we counting on, who shows up, who gets it done, who comes with new ideas. Um, And there is enough work for all of us. But again, we're stronger together. Yeah, 
I uh, interviewed someone a few weeks ago from Convene, which is one mm -hmm. of the venues here in New York, and they're all over the place. Right. And uh, we were talking about supporting women in the workplace. So it actually wasn't for event hustlers. It was for something else. And um, we were talking about, like, what are some steps that people can do to be more inclusive of women, especially when you're an independent company? And maybe you don't have the resources to you know, invest in a huge diversity and inclusion initiative. I talked to some of these companies through clients and they're spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on initiatives. Well, my company can't do that. <laughs> and so one of the things she mentioned was each person making a commitment to work with a diverse group of people, again, based on not the fact that they're diverse, not, oh, my team has to look a certain way and that will position me, but because they know what they're doing and they're good people and they work well. And mm -hmm. I think that personal commitment is something we each have to make no matter the size of our company. And I wonder if there's, and this is totally like, I came up with this while we're talking. So okay. my horrible idea. <laughs> I wonder if there's no horrible ideas <laughs> in saying that publicly and doing it together and banding together that in our industry for this group of people mm -hmm. it won't stand that there's a room full of white men leading the conversation right or you know and again diversity from lots of different angles look have when's the last time you've gone to an event and they've even really thought about what it's like to, to be disabled coming into your event yeah oh there's ada compliance and we're good right and then you're scrambling if someone does show up and, or even if someone, say if someone even came on crutches that you didn't know happened to break their leg. Right. We're not prepared for those things. These conversations now need to happen. And so we do, you know, I, I hate pledges and that type of, I need action. Intent into action is where I am at this moment. Right. And that's why I'm here. You need to really, as a company, as an industry say, I'm going to open up my eyes and I'm going to look around and see who's out there that I can hire and or begin to partner with to not only, it doesn't have to be everything, but just begin to build new relationships. Yeah. And it has to be on both sides. That means you have to open up sometimes how you work, the language that you use, you know, um, and be open to hear new ideas. And don't be so scared that somebody's going to steal it. Again, we're not doing intellectual property on hanging beautiful flowers or lamps or making a room stunning. It's what we do and it's what we love. But at the end of the day, um, advancing and growing, growing new cultural um, outlets is the best. You know, like I said, there was a reason I did Chinese events. When the market crashed um, several years back, and the uh, magazines were starting to fold and TV shows were starting to fold. And I was still running down 28th Street buying flowers and doing things for events. It's because I had all Asian clients and mm. I didn't depend on corporate America at that time. Yeah. I had Asian clients, I had French clients. So I worked, the same people that would not sell me a vase of flowers stood out in front of their shop waving at me. But they did not want to speak to me even six months earlier. So the person that sold me the flowers that day is still the same person I go to today. And I will only buy from him mm -hmm. because he didn't care whether I had a staff of 50 behind me or if it was just myself. He was like, wow, you're really creative. Oh, you're nice. 
how about someone just being nice and you right. open your doors to them and you see. Mm -hmm. And then for the smaller agencies, look at each other as well and say, what can I learn? What can we learn from each other? You can't be so scared of trying to catch a check or trying to lose a check. Right. You know, when I do Asians events, sometimes I will actually, I do casting. I have enough consultants that I work with that I do cast and everyone knows that I cast for my staff. So if I'm going and I know I'm in Queens and I need someone that speaks Mandarin because my man refuses to bring me the ladder because I'm not speaking Mandarin to him, what just happened? I asked a friend who's actually a doctor who loves to do events. I was like, you want to come work with me this day? And so she was my secret weapon. So when he starts saying there was no ladder and she spoke to him, he went and got the ladder and came back and laughed at me and said, you got me. We're best buds from that moment on. Yeah. Make the effort. Now, what? how can people work with you? I know you have the Kavu Group now in addition to KIM Media, and this is a conversation that has to continue happening. And I hope that as people watch the live version and then, of course, as they kind of take this and watch the recordings and share it, people will want to make a difference. What, how are you currently working with companies? How can people work with you? What should people know? So I, I'm working as a consultant for companies, but I also say if you have a question or, or two, then email and ask me. <laughs> if there is a project and you're not sure which way to go, my big thing is nothing about us without us. Call and say, here's my budget. It may not be a corporate budget, it may not be this, but we just wanna get this right. We wanna make sure this ad is sensitive, culturally sensitive. We wanna make sure that how we're doing this is right. We wanna have a new lens on how to look at something, then reach out. If it's, if it's a question or two, I have no problem answering it. If it's a project, then let's figure out what the pricing is and, and move on. Let's get it right. Let's start building this right. Let's not have to go backwards. You know, absolutely. So you're a resource. You're you're opening yourself to be available to people to ask these questions and yes, and like I said, one or two. I I do. Right, right. For a living. <laughs> I want to be clear. It is a business. It is for profit business. Yeah. But I'd rather someone ask than say I am too scared to ask because right. I've heard that on the other side too. Well, I don't want to be offensive. I said, but I walked in and I was more offended, and you know me. Right. <laughs> you know, you already offended me. <laughs> you already offended me. You offended me by not calling to say, does this make sense? And if it has to turn into a bigger conversation, I'm the first to say, well, you know that now we're starting to go into a consultant thing. But hey, yeah, that looks right. Or that should be good. You know, we're never going to settle all of this. It didn't happen yesterday. It's not going to be settled tomorrow. But and then there's other people that I can refer them to the other planners to say, you know what, here's someone that's great that you should work with that would be wonderful on this, that has mm -hmm. that sensibility as well. That's huge. And what would be your best advice to people in the independent planner market who think that this is a really important conversation? Yes, they may have some questions to ask you, but what's the biggest action they can do today to start to make a difference? It's really for on their side, also open their eyes and see how they've been working and how they can also open up and bring others into their circle. And if they are feeling, because there was, there's a lot of feelings involved in this and people have been getting their feelings hurt, but not in a bad, not in a, oh my God, they hurt my feelings kind of way, but in a, 
wow, we're really being shut out. I want these conversations to continue to happen because if you stay stuck on being, having your feelings hurt and mad, guess what? It doesn't change. Yeah. You just stay stuck. So I know that a couple of planners are looking to do a, a kind of a live um, in a venue talk back just to be able to have these discussions keep going on what are some of the issues that each person is having? Because then maybe we can try to solve that one or two things that people are having in common. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. So if you get information on that, would you please share it with us? And we can put it out, of course, on our social social channels. Absolutely. So can join. I think that would be really interesting to participate in. Yes. And so maybe it is, maybe it is something that there becomes a new chat group about on Facebook or something about um, diversity within the event industry and people can share on there. Yeah. It's a conversation that has to continue happening. You know, we yes. can have this call for 30 minutes and then what happens, yeah. you know, it has to continue to happen. And I think it's good to happen in existing groups and not only in its own well, that's a join a group specific to talk about diversity probably is not the problem. <laughs> right. And, I, and I, that was what I was going to say. When I say diverse, I need everyone of every color and every shade to be part of this because you yeah. have a one-sided conversation. Exactly. We need to make a difference. <laughs> yeah. And we need the people who probably don't care at all to be the most involved, which is a difficult task, but important. But when you have voices, when you look at Greta, who was 15, who started her and, you know, her climate, March by herself to a, what a year later, how many millions and how many countries she has touched. There's no reason that one of us can't start having this conversation and moving it forward. And that's what I said to ladies, I'll take that, I'll take that flag, but you have to march with me. This is not one person. This is all of us opening up and saying, I can do better. Yeah. I will do better. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's exactly what our industry needs across many platforms. Yes. <laughs> Being one, we we have to do better and we have to be committed to our industry doing better. And I think we need to understand that by doing that, it makes us all more professional, more valuable. It, it pushes our industry forward in a way that's incredibly important. So I want to thank you for taking the time to not only chat with us about this topic today, but to champion this topic throughout all of the work that you do. Um, it's one thing to say that it's something you're passionate about, to, but to build a whole business around it and to really want to champion that the way that you are is amazing. So I want to thank you for doing that. And any way that I can participate or be helpful or any of our listeners and readers can be helpful, please let us know because we want to be involved in this. Thank you. And, you know, you have my information. I think the readers will, I mean, listeners will have it. Um, reach out. If there's something, let's build it. Let's let's be on the stages of these event expos. Let's have the conversation. Let's not be scared because you're booking a big ticket person to get tickets in. Let's talk about what the, what's going on with the industry. And yeah. this is what needs to happen with the industry at this moment. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. For all of you who are listening and think this is a really important topic, this video recording will be posted on the LizKingEvents.com blog, and we'll have all of Leslie's links so that you can get in touch with her, as well as any extra information we get about new Facebook groups, potentially, or conversations that are happening. So any way that we can participate, we'll try to keep that out on all of our social channels. And of course, in the Event Hustlers Facebook group as well. So thank you, Leslie, so much for joining us today. It was awesome talking to you. Thank you.
All right, everyone, we will be on a little bit of a hiatus. I am expecting a baby very soon. In fact, on Sunday, I go in to try to deliver this child. So I most likely will not have an episode for a few weeks. Uh, when we do get back, I will be sure to announce it to the public. <laughs> and we look back, we look, I look forward to getting back to interviewing some great people in our industry and keeping these conversations going. So thanks for joining. We'll let you know when the next show is. And until then, just keep hustling hard and make the hard decisions that will really take your business to the next level and bring our industry along with it. Have a great day, everyone.